If you are just getting caught up with us this morning, we're right in the middle of a series of messages called Back to School. We figured if the kids are going back to school, that we as adults uh, should go back to school as well. And we're looking at uh, sort of these, these central uh, core disciplines uh, of our faith. You may have heard them referred to as spiritual disciplines. So we've looked at worship. Last week we talked about uh, the importance of reading scripture. By the way, how many of you did your homework? Two of you. Great. Awesome. Good. So these Bibles, we want you to take those and we want you to, to, to wear those out. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to read a gospel this week, that would be our encouragement to you. I'm going to give you some more homework at the end of the message today. So don't let it pile up. Don't, let, don't procrastinate. That's, that's not good. But I uh, want to encourage you to do that. But just as, just as any athlete uh, does little things every day to, to, to keep them ready, to keep them prime for whatever it is that they, who they want to be, there are certain disciplines that we're called to do every day as followers of Jesus in order to be the kind of people that he's calling us to be. And so we're going to dive into a topic today that we, we talk a lot about, and yet it carries with it a lot of baggage at times and a lot of uh, misperceptions, and that's prayer. So if you don't have your Bibles open, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 11, and that's where we're going to be today. And before we dive into it today, um, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling kind of, uh, I don't know, risky this morning. So we're going to try something new, uh, as if I've never done risky stuff up here before. Um, I just want to pray. And we're just going to spend some time at the beginning of the message today. And uh, Carter and Amy are just going to play a little bit up here for us. And I'm just going to pray. And uh, today we're going to be talking about how prayer is simply a conversation with God. And often, we just go through these worship services and it's kind of one thing to the next and then we're out the door and we're on to another busy week. Um, if this is weird for you, if this is like the most quiet you've been the entire week, um, then maybe you need it. So I'm just going to pray and I can't promise that there won't be any awkward pauses. Or there might be. You never know. That's just because we're listening. Prayer goes a little bit better when it's about 90% listening and about 10% talking. So I'm just going to pray and just invite you to be still, to relax. Don't fall asleep on me, but just be, be fully present before God. And let's pray. Hey God, Hope Des Moines again here. We're just hanging out here on a Sunday morning and sun shining through the windows. We're just so thankful, God, that you got all of us up this morning, that there is breath in our lungs, <laughs> that we are alive. What an incredible gift that is. God, I want to thank you for all the little kids running around here this morning. <laughs> for the reminder that they are to us to have a childlike faith. To not worry so much about what other people think. God, some of us are really tired this morning. <laughs> 
So we just say we're tired. We are in need of rest. Maybe not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. And God, I'll be honest, sometimes um, I don't know what to pray for. And that's okay. So God, we just say this morning that we need you. Um, God, we're just so blessed in so many ways. Um, that you would be our father and that we would be your children. And that we get to worship you. That we get to be together with family and friends today. Father, we love you. And we thank you that we can come to you anytime, anywhere, and just be with you. God, you're not asking us to be busy this morning. You're asking us to be with you. And God, you are good. You are always good. So open our hearts up this morning, God. We are here for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to hear from you. So speak to us this morning. And pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. So for some of you, you feel relaxed, and for some of you, that might have been the most awkward two minutes of your week. And that's okay. Sometimes it is for me, too. Uh, I was thinking about this message today, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to preach about prayer. Maybe we should just spend some time praying. Because that's one of the biggest things that we like to do in the church, is we talk a lot. Some of us talk more than others. About... We should read the Bible. We should really pray. And then we don't go do it. We just talk about it. So we're, we might just stop at random points throughout the message today, and I might just pray. And some of you might have been thinking through that prayer, John, it kind of sounded like you were just having a conversation with somebody that's like sitting next to you at the coffee shop. And, yep. That's the point. And so I just kind of wanted to set that tone here this morning is that some of you here this morning have no idea what you're doing when it comes to prayer. Some of you are on the other end of the spectrum and you think you know everything about prayer. You don't. Um, some of you are thinking, oh, he's the pastor, so he gets paid to pray professionally. You can ask my wife uh, how good I am at prayer. Uh, not so good all the time. It's a, it's a growing edge for me. It's hard. Sometimes I don't know what to pray about. So sometimes when I pray with other people and I listen to other people pray, um, some of the best prayers that I've ever heard are help. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. Hear God. Um, 
man, I need you, God. I'm hurting. This is really hard for me. Any of those, and you know why those are some of the best prayers I've ever heard? Because they're coming from right here. <laughs> and they're not long, and they're not flamboyant, and not for the purpose of trying to get other people's attention. They're coming from hearts that are surrendered to him. And if I could tell you anything about prayer, is have a conversation with God and tell him what you really feel. Tell him what's on your Heart. You may have noticed that there were some awkward silences in there, and you may be thinking, John, you're the pastor. You're supposed to have these nice framed prayers that have these great transitions and everything, and you probably like lay awake at night practicing how you're going to pray in public, you know. And that doesn't really mean that it's a good prayer. It just means that you sound professional. And God's like, great, I really want to know what's going on. I really want it to be authentic. I really want it to be. You. So the pauses for me are not purpose, purposeful, awkward silences. The pauses for me, and I would encourage you to work this into your prayer life, how much do you talk and how much do you listen? How much do you talk and how much do you listen? Or do you just kind of blabber on and on and on and on about whatever you want to say? And finally, some of you are thinking, John, I just, this whole prayer thing is great. It's 2014. Let's get honest. Who has time to pray? Right? Life is way too busy, and prayer is not productive at all. I'd rather do something for God. So Martin Luther, who is the, kind of the founder of our Lutheran movement, is quoted one time as saying uh, that every day during his ministry, he would pray for an hour every day. Some of you are thinking, holy cow, two minutes was kind of awkward here. He prayed for an hour every single day, and then he said, if I've got a really busy week, you know, if the schedule's really packed and it's really crammed, I'm sure none of you have busy, busy lives or busy schedules at all. Martin Luther said, if my schedule's jam-packed and I've got a really busy day, um, then I pray for two hours. Wait, come again? Yeah, then I pray for two because I've, I need it. And I think for me it's come to that point where I've just kind of, when it comes to prayer, I've just sort of given up trying to sound good. <laughs> and I've just started to say, how can I just be me, the real John, before God? And that's what I would encourage you to do. And for me, it's just kind of come to the point where I can't go through life without prayer. I could give you a big, deep theological sermon about it, and I could give you a bunch of information about it, or we could just do it. Or you could just talk to God. And that's my encouragement for you this morning. We're going to dive into this. I'm going to give you some ideas, but I would just encourage you, if we learn anything from Jesus, every chance he got, he'd run away from the crowds and he'd get still and he'd get quiet and he'd talk to his father because he knew that he couldn't live without that conversation with his father. That's why he says to us, I'm the vine and you're the branches and if you remain in me, then you will have your source of life. You can't do life without me. Just as we need nourishment every day, we need that from God. So as we dive into this a little bit, I just want to break the ice, and, and some of you are thinking, whoa, man, this is really over the top, over my head, this is really serious. If you've ever struggled with prayer, you will resonate with Greg. If you've ever seen the movie Meet the Parents, you'll know that our friend Greg struggles with prayer, and maybe you do too. And so as you watch this, just know if you've ever felt awkward in prayer, know you're not alone. Let's take a look. There you go. That's all it takes, right? 
Bonus points to Greg for using the word smorgasbord in his prayer. So I, I dare you to do that. Uh, unfortunately for Greg, and I think for a lot of us, we have made this thing called prayer so difficult and maybe more difficult than it needs to be that we feel like sometimes when we pray, it's this nerve-wracking, rehearsed speech that we have to give in front of our in-laws. And we know that that's not always uh, the most exciting thing to do. Although I'm sure that God appreciated being thanked for being accommodating. Good going there, Greg. That's very much appreciated. So as we get to Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples are in the exact same place that probably Greg felt there. Where do we even start? How do we pray? So if you've got your Bibles, let's look at that together. And Jesus responds to them by teaching them uh, a familiar model that you and I know probably very well as the Lord's Prayer. Even if, you've, if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard of the Lord's Prayer somewhere, somehow, some version of it. And what I, as we unpack this today, what, what, I wanna, um, what I want you to know is that not only does Jesus teach us what to pray, he teaches us how to pray. Some of you would think that the Lord's Prayer is something that we just go, dit, 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 boom, it's a, it's a formula. It's like a, it's like a padlock. And if I say the Lord's Prayer, that's the combination that unlocks the code to get God to do what I want. That is not the Lord's Prayer because, yes, we're called to pray the actual prayer, but what I want to dive into is that the treasure of this prayer is that Jesus is actually teaching us a model for a healthy prayer life, for the ingredients of what's a part of a healthy prayer life. More often than not, what Jesus is teaching us is how to walk with God. So I want you to think about prayer as less of a combination or, or, or less of a formula and more so of as I'm walking through the Lord's Prayer, I'm just walking with Jesus, that he's right here beside me and that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whether you say the prayer exactly like that or not, you're just walking with Jesus. He's just right here beside you. And as we move from there to over here, we're just moving through the different stages of this prayer. And we can use it as a model moving forward. So if you have your uh, bulletins, if you grabbed a pen, if not, you can just kind of elbow the person next to you to pass those pens down. I want you to write down five pieces. There's five parts to this prayer of how Jesus responds in Luke chapter 11. Five aspects to this prayer. The first one is character, the Father's character. The second one is the kingdom, the Father's kingdom. The third part is provision. The fourth part is confession. And the fifth part is protection. So as we move from here to there and we're just walking with Jesus, we move from character to kingdom to provision to confession to protection. If you'll notice, the first two are all about God, and then the next three are more about us. It's not a formula. It's walking with God. So let's jump into it. The first one, when you pray, what is the first thing that you normally do? God, gimme, 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 gimme. I need, I need, I need, right? Jesus gives us a different way. When his disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray, they've obviously been watching him, and, and, and there's something about his prayer life that's very attractive to them. How does Jesus start out teaching us to pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name or your name. Our Father in heaven. And this is these first two words of the Lord's Prayer that is the very foundation of what prayer is all about. If you don't know what God is like, you will have a very difficult time praying. If you don't know what God is like, prayer 
will be very confusing, but it's not meant to be. In fact, you'll notice Jesus' model of prayer doesn't start by rattling off everything about us. It starts with him, and that's again because just like we talked about during worship, God's not a vending machine where we kind of put in our requests, we punch the button, and then out comes our Diet Pepsi. I mean, out comes our answer to prayer. God's not a vending machine. He is a father, and just like any good parent, he wants to have a relationship with us, not just be the bank (laughs) to hand us out the money or hand us out what we need. And this is revolutionary. Jesus says, call God Father. The reason that this is revolutionary is because for this Jewish culture at the time that Jesus is speaking to, they always begin their prayers by referring to God, uh, even saying God's name, his full name out loud, would be considered disrespectful. So they'd only say half of it. And when they would say God, it would be, it would be King or Lord or Yahweh, definitely not Father. I mean, that's way too intimate. So when you pray, how do you, what do you call God? And Jesus is saying, I just want you to know, you, you can call him a lot of different things. He has a lot of different names. But Jesus says, don't forget, when I pray to God, I'm the only one that can really demonstrate this for you. I call him Daddy. Which, in Aramaic, is if you translate what Jesus says, our Father, it says, our Daddy. What does that tell you about what prayer is all about? Jesus says, you can call him a lot of different things, but the word that I'm using over and over here is daddy. I remember growing up, and one of my brother and my favorite things to do is we, uh, my dad would be sitting in his Lazy Boy in kind of the TV uh, lounge area, and there was this long hallway that ran into that area. And one of my brother and I favorite things to do is to get a running start. This is when we were really young. We'd get a running start, and we would just come running, and we'd scream, Dad or Daddy! And we would come running, and we would jump from like four or five feet before the chair, and we would run and jump, and we would just land in his lap with a big thud. Now, he would always kind of put a smile on his face and say, Oh, boys, thank you so much. And inside, as we got heavier and heavier, he's going, Oh, man, right? I mean, we would just nail him. We'd probably knock the wind out of him, and we'd just land on his lap. We'd just go, Wow! And just catapult into his lap because we knew that we would always be received. We knew that no matter what was going on in our life, we could always come running to him. Well, as we got older, somewhere around the age of 10, that, for safety precautions, that tradition ended. Uh, Probably thankful, uh, my dad, for that. But those cute little routines end with our fathers at some point. And unfortunately, I think in our prayer life, they end as well. When did prayer become so complicated for you that you forgot whose lap you're running into? Just think about that. And I don't know what your relationship is like or, or was like with your father, but for, something, for some of us, believing that I can go into prayer and, and approach the God of the universe and, and have the intimacy with him to say, Hey, Dad, like that just seems really awkward and weird uh, to some of us because we can't imagine that God would be 
approachable. We can't imagine that he would be this loving figure, and that's really tough for us to imagine. And although nothing can change the past, Jesus says this is what prayer can be like. It can be different. So sometimes I'll challenge people. I'll say, take a week, and every single time that you pray, I want you to respond to God and, 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 and call him and say, hey, Dad, or hey, Daddy, And some people have done that and they've come back to me and said, ugh, that's really weird. That's really awkward. And I'll say, why? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Because whatever comes up in you will reveal what your intimacy is like with God. Is it, oh, dear Lord of heavenly hosts, thank you for this bountiful harvest. I'm sure God's up there saying, Cute, really cute, right? Just call me dad. Just come to me anytime, anywhere, and respond to me that way. And of course, our relationships change with our fathers throughout the years and grown men that are out there. I know you don't go running into your daddy's laps, but if I'm speaking to other dads out there, I think we can honestly say fathers never stop being fathers, right? Dads never stop being dads, and it doesn't matter if, if uh, the greatest joy is, is talking to your kids, whether you're talking to your kids about the monster in the closet at the age of eight, or you're talking to your kids about going to college at age 18, or it's how to parent, uh, parenting problems at age 28, or you've got an issue at work at age 48. We never stop being fathers in that sense, so Jesus knew when you know God as a loving father, we can speak to him anytime anywhere. And the other piece of that is, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, this is some old English because, as you heard last week, uh, the Bible was written in, um, in the, uh, not in Greek, which is absolutely true, but some of you think the Bible is written in the King James Version, um, that that's the actual true version, and so Jesus said thys and thous and hallowed's a lot. That is not true. This is how we translate it. And so we get a little bit confused about this, hallowed be thy name, our Father who art in heaven, all this kind of stuff. It's often misunderstood. There was this story about little Johnny. I don't know why every story I tell has little Johnny in it. But little Johnny was in Sunday school, and the teacher was teaching them about the Lord's Prayer. And he was paying close attention, and he was learning a lot and answering all the questions right. And when the class was done, he went up to the teacher and he said, Ma'am, I think I understand this prayer and who God is, but I've just got one question. And the teacher said, What's that, little Johnny? He said, Of all the names that God could have given himself, why did he choose Howard? (laughs) What do you mean, she replied. He said, Well, that's what he told us in the Lord's Prayer. That's what he wants us to call him. Our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. Some of you will get that on the way home. Anyway, <laughs> Hallowed, not Howard. Hallowed is just a fancy way of saying holy, and holy means set apart. So when we pray this prayer, are you thinking about what you're saying, or are you just rattling off some old English word that somebody taught you? It's not Howard, it's holy. And at the beginning of the prayer, we get this extremely important balance between God as daddy, who's extremely approachable, and at the same time, a God who is holy and completely other, not of this world, not limited in any way. So what is your view of God? When is the last time you stopped and considered how holy he is? And this is why it's important that God is holy. 
because we try to make him into a lot of different things. And especially when we pray and we can get in this kind of mode in life where Jesus sort of just becomes our buddy, or as I like to call it, I think we got a slide there, Jesus is kind of our homeboy, you know? You want that t-shirt, right? We kind of start looking at Jesus as like, hey, Jesus, you know, you're my pal, and I'm just going to kind of live life the way that I want to live it, and I just kind of have some things that I want to do in my agenda in life, and if, you know, we're kind of buds, you're kind of my homeboy, so Jesus, if you could just kind of come along and bless whatever I'm doing. And God said it doesn't work like that. Because we're talking to our dad, yes, but we're talking to the God of the universe. And we can't twist his arm. You're talking to the king of kings and you're talking to the Lord of lords. And when you look at scripture and you read stories of every single account of somebody that has encountered God, nothing else in that moment matters. They are overwhelmed with his Holiness. Isaiah has this passage where he's the prophet. He's telling us of this vision that he has of seeing God in all of his glory. And it says there were seraphim with six wings, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now listen to this. At the sound of their voices and the doorsteps and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Doesn't sound like homeboy Jesus to me. C.S. Lewis once wrote about God, safe. Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. Have you experienced that God, or is your God that you pray to in this little box that you can tell him whatever you want? Jesus says, when you pray, remember that you are praying to a holy God. You can't control him. You can't twist his arm. You can't bargain with him, and you will never be able to push him around because he's God. And somewhere if we can live in that balance of our daddy who is the king of kings and lord of lords. Somewhere in that balance is where Jesus calls us to live. But you know that when you're praying to an all-powerful, all-knowing God who happens to be the most strong and loving daddy in the universe who has conquered your sin, who has defeated death and hell, then all of a sudden when we start praying for things that we need, whatever you're worried about on Monday morning really gets put into perspective, doesn't it? Changes everything, and that's why Jesus modeled that for us. On to the next piece of it. So we're walking with Jesus and we're just telling him what his character is like, that he's our father, that he's holy. And as we get to that next stage, we move into the kingdom stage. Other versions will add, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wanted us to remember that every time that we say the Lord's Prayer, that we're essentially saying, my time here on earth is not about getting a get-out-of-jail-free card from hell because my sins are forgiven. My time here on earth is to participate in the greatest mission in the history of the world, which is God bringing heaven to earth. That's what our call is. And you might think, whoa, John, that's a really big concept. How can I pray? Today on Monday morning, I'm going to go out and bring a bit of heaven to earth. 
That's a really big, broad concept. How do we do that? And what I want to tell you this morning is you're already doing it in so many ways. Because you bring heaven to earth when you help create the kind of place, the kind of community around here that feels like family. Because that's a taste of heaven. You bring heaven to earth when you bring dozens and dozens and dozens of bags of school supplies as we did earlier this month so that every single kid in this school that we're sitting in doesn't have to come to school empty-handed on day one because in heaven, nobody's in need. You bring a little bit of heaven to earth when you volunteer your time down at our new facility to, to build a future home where the broken are welcomed in and where disciples are, are equipped and trained and sent back out. Because in the kingdom of heaven, everybody knows Jesus and nobody's hurting and nobody's broken. But you also bring heaven to earth when you, when you pray with your husband, when you serve your wife, when you treat your children as treasures because Jesus loves them even more than you do. Even in the little things, Jesus says, don't start to use prayer as a crutch for not doing anything. In fact, the more time that you spend with someone, the more you start to love what they love and want what they want. Think about that for a second. The more time you spend with somebody, the more you start to love what they love and desire what they desire and want what they want. Spouses, best friends, you know this well. Think about that person you know the best. I was thinking about this yesterday as I was watching football, as the Hawkeyes were taking care of business as normal. I grew a little bored, you know, with all the winning that we've been doing recently. So I decided to flip over to the, to the other game. The, is it Cyclones? Is that their name? Okay. So I just decided to flip over there because my wife is a big Iowa State fan. I know she's at the game, and I want her to be enjoying herself. And, and I flip it over just to see how they're doing, and they're getting annihilated. I just feel terrible by North Dakota State Tech Department of Natural Resources. And, and it's their first game of the season. And, and, and five years ago, you know, when, when we got married, I would have just laughed for hours. But now I kind of feel bad for her, so I only laugh for an hour. No. I found myself watching the game and, and hurting for Iowa State. Like, I actually had compassion for them. And I started to care about the clones the way that she does. And as a Hawk fan, I now know love does strange things to you. <laughs> Same is true with our Father in Heaven as well. The more time we spend with somebody, we start to love what they love. And we start to care about the things that they care about. When we were doing VBS earlier this year, I had this moment and all these kids were singing this, basically a prayer, as a worship song, Lord, I need you. Kids from the neighborhood that I know maybe don't have parents in the home that are hurting and broken and right alongside our kids, and they're all singing this worship song to God. And I think just like a little bit, I just got a little glimpse of God's heart, and as like I looked up to the top of the gym, which kind of looks like this, I just got this image of God beaming and like smiling down on top of us. 
I saw, I said, God, oh man, I want more of that. I want in moments as I go throughout my day, I want to see the world with your eyes. And when I pray, I want to pray with your heart in mind. I don't want to just rattle off a bunch of my own ideas. And I think that's what this part is about when we're praying for God's kingdom to come. We're learning what matters most to him. And we pray for that. And then Jesus says, then why don't you just go be the answer to your own prayer? <laughs> why don't you go do something about it? Be, be a part of the solution. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Provision, as we're walking with God, give us this day our daily bread. Oh, it's a lot bigger than bread. It's about whatever you think that you need. But you'll notice by the time that we get to this point in the prayer, we spend a lot of time talking about who God is. Now we're just getting to our requests. And there's a reason for that. Because now we're turned heavenward. And now prayer isn't so much gimme, gimme, gimme. It's, oh, Father, I just want whatever you want. My heart's just laid bare before you and I'm, I'm surrendered to you. So when we get to this place, we say, give us our daily bread. We're just, we're just surrendering ourselves to God, saying, there's things that I need, but ultimately, God, I trust you because you're my Father. And that changes everything. If you remember, one of the things that Jesus despised about religious people is that they would just ramble on and on and on and on in their prayers. And they make it some really complicated thing. As if God had no idea what they need. <laughs> and sometimes I hear people praying and they just go on and on and on and on as if God doesn't have a memory at all. As if God doesn't know. As if God's up there uh, saying, uh, you know, oh man, wow, John, thanks for telling me. Or whoever it is that you're talking to, that, that you're praying. You know, God says, oh, thank you for reminding me. I had no idea that you were struggling financially. I had no idea that you're feeling so lonely right now. I had no idea that you were unemployed. I must have been asleep at the wheel. That's not our God. God doesn't say, I appreciate your update. <laughs> he just says, pour out your heart. We say, give us this day our daily bread. Not tell me what my future holds. Not give me all the answers. Not tell me about next week or next month or next year. Give us this day our daily bread. And you know why he taught us to pray that? So we would learn to trust him. Because if we knew everything, if we knew the future, we wouldn't really need to trust him, would we? He's our daddy, not a vending machine. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. First way that we end the prayer is with confession. We just lay ourselves before him. We clean it out. And why is confession so important? I don't know where you're at this morning, but you were never meant to carry your guilt and your shame and your sin and that baggage around. You were never meant to shoulder that burden. Because when we confess... When we get honest before God, something powerful happens. We're set free from having to wear the mask. If you ever feel like when you walk in those doors that you have to put a mask on to be at church, something's wrong. Because that's not the kind of family that we are. That's not the kind of God that we pray to. 
Remember that feeling when you broke the vase in your mom's living room or you knocked the baseball through the window of the garage? Busted. What's your uh, broken window this morning? Is there something where you just feel like it's really weighing on your heart and you just need to get it off your chest? That's why Jesus taught us to pray that way. And no, you don't have to go to some priest. You can tell me, but I'll just tell you, why don't you just tell God too? It'll be better for you that way. You don't have to hide. I remember when I knocked the baseball through the window of the garage and I kind of walked slowly up to my dad's chair. I didn't dive in the chair this time. I said, uh, I have the baseball in my hand. Dad, I have something to tell you. And my dad said, I know. <laughs> I already know all about it. Do you know that I forgive you? Do you know that I love you? You already forgive me? I haven't even apologized yet. Of course I forgive you. You're my son. What's the baseball and the broken window that you're hanging on to this morning? Lord's Prayer teaches us, let it go. Confess what's on your heart. And when you've experienced that forgiveness, even when we didn't deserve it, it becomes apparent that we're compelled to do that for those who have wronged us. Forgiving someone does not mean that we ignore it, that we diminish it, or that we excuse their sin. Forgiveness is where we refuse to become enslaved to bitterness and anger. When we've experienced the kind of grace that our Father has for us, how can we not forgive others? And last but not least, protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Satan's real. Our enemy is real. The world is filled with temptation and evil. While we can pray to ask God for forgiveness of our sin, we should also pray to our Father offensively. Don't just always be on the defense. Go on the offensive in your prayers. I just have a question for you. I just want you to write this down. Do you pray in advance for things? Like when you're, not just, you know, for your meal, I get that. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, right? Do you pray for vacations? If you have a big financial decision to make, do you invite God into that? If you know that you're going to go into a place where you're going to be tempted to look at things you shouldn't, do you pray in advance for that? As a family, as you're going into a difficult time, do you pray in advance for the week that you're going into? Lead us not into temptation. Go on the offensive. Father's character, the Father's kingdom, he's holy, don't forget that. We pray for his provision, for confession, for protection. In the end, God's heart for us is not to see prayer as some complicated or difficult thing, but simply natural. I want to close. Do you remember our friend Greg, who really struggles with prayer? Unless Smorgasbord is a part of your normal prayer life. On the opposite end of the spectrum in the movie world, it might be good for us to visit our friend Bruce. Some of you have seen the film Bruce Almighty from a long time ago. And he finds himself before God, who's prayed by Morgan Freeman, which I, I really hope that when we get to heaven, God is like Morgan Freeman. I think that he is. Definitely has a sense of humor. And he's still learning how to pray. And this whole movie, 
Bruce has been praying about my agenda and what I want and what he selfishly wants about the woman that he loves whose name is Grace. Because somehow he just thinks, well, God really wouldn't understand. So I just need to kind of take life by the horns and kind of do it my own way. And in this last scene, he realizes that God is right beside of him. And he realizes that as opposed to earlier in the film, that, that prayer is not about twisting God's arm for what we want, but it's, it's rather about seeking his will above all else. That's when real prayer happens. Let's take a look. God says to every single one of you this morning, what do you really care about? However it comes out, whatever it sounds like, even if it feels weird or awkward, what's really on your heart this morning? Pray that and know that God is up there listening saying, it's good, it's really, really good. You're just talking to God face to face. He's right there next to you this morning. So we're going to do something as we close today. We're going to walk through the Lord's Prayer. I'm just going to walk you through it, and after each statement, I'm just going to pause. We open with prayer. We're going to close with prayer. And I just want, you to, I want to give you a different way to think about praying this prayer. Instead of our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, those who have given us day, our daily bread, and forgive us trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. God says, tell me what you really feel. So we're going to pray, and as we do, I'm just going to pause and invite you to think about some things as we go through this prayer. I know you got a busy week. I know you got a busy day. Let's just be with our Father. What could be more important? Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Daddy, we come to you this morning running up into your lap. We know that you love us, that you are faithful, that you are a good and loving father, and that you are holy. We are in awe of you. So God, right now we're just going to spend a little bit of time telling you how amazing you are. In the silence of our own hearts, God, we come to you now as Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, way more than we want our own way, we want your way. We want to get on board with your agenda for our lives. Father, would you break our heart for what breaks yours as we go throughout our week? Show us your heart for people. And so, God, right now, we just pause and we think about all the ways 
that you are calling us to bring heaven to earth this week. Give us this day our daily bread. God, we have so many needs. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. God, whatever they might be this morning, we just say that we need you more than anything else. But we also lay these requests before you with a heart that's surrendered to you. Give us what we need for today, these things that we name in our hearts. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Father, some of us are carrying some guilt from the past today. Some of us, just something that happened this past week, and we're so ashamed of it. We wish we wouldn't have done it. We wish we wouldn't have said it. And so, Father, we know that we can come to you and we say, I already forgave you. We come to you in confession, asking your forgiveness, knowing that you love us. So we name those things in our hearts this morning, God, where we need to let go. Even if it's a grudge or bitterness or anger that we hold against somebody else. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, would you guide our steps this week? We pray in advance for all the situations that we might go into this week, for all the people that we might meet, all the situations that might cause us to stumble. God, we pray for your protection, that you would watch over our steps, that you would guard our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears. Go before us, beside us, behind us, within us. God, watch over us. And God, we will wait in eager anticipation for how you will answer these prayers that we have prayed today. God, we just want to walk with you. Thank you for this moment to be still before you, to remember that we are human beings, not human doings. On this Labor Day weekend, God, we surrender ourselves to you. God, we love you, and we thank you for loving us so much. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. We say this every week, but as you go today, I would encourage as many of you as possible, come on up. We'll have prayer partners up here. Come on up and be prayed for. We'd love to see you. Grab a sticky note on your way out. Let's clear out those 31. We'll see you down at the building this week. God bless you. Have a great week.